Good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today, if you would, and I hope you've got your Bibles. Get, uh, get your Bibles and turn to Acts, the third chapter. Acts, the third chapter. Just, we'll start reading there uh, here in just a second. Acts, the third chapter. This is going to be a very familiar story to you. You know, last week I told you that I'd probably be wrapping up our series, the church series, this week, and that may not happen. Uh, I, I, I know I've got this one, and I think I might get one more, but I'm not for sure. We'll just see see what transpires. But we're going to uh, look at this story today, and, and maybe uh, something's going to jump out at you like it did me that never really jumped out at me before. Acts, the third chapter. Y'all ready? Amen? <laughs> Beginning in verse 1. Now, Peter and John went together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fasted, fasted fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now keep your Bibles open there because we may be you may want to flip back to the previous chapter. You know, as I started scanning the scriptural neighborhood, I stopped here and that's the third chapter. And and I, I began to look at the scene and I thought to myself, that's a very familiar story. And and because I was familiar with it, I moved on to chapter four. Uh, because I said that I preached on this Acts, the third chapter before, and and uh, so I started going on to the fourth chapter, and as I was going on and turning to the, the fourth chapter, God said, hang on a minute. He said, I want you to go back where you was. I want to show you something that you're missing. And I never really thought about about that until I started studying and getting in into uh, this particular story. So I so I went back to chapter two is what I did and started from there coming forward. Folks, after reading that portion of scripture, I really don't know much how much time that lapsed between uh, chapter two, the events of chapter two, and the occurrences of chapter three. I don't know how wide or time gap uh, there was between the closing events of chapter 2 and the opening events of chapter 3. But here's some things I do know about chapter 2. I do know that in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost had fallen upon the church. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost was fully come. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples and others from uh, across the earth were gathered together when all of a sudden uh, there came into a building a mighty rushing wind. 
And, and there appeared unto them these cloven tongues uh, as of fire, and that fell upon each one of them. In Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Spirit of God. It came down. And, and so they became very loud in their spiritual response. In Acts chapter 2, they were falsely accused. They were falsely evaluated and looked upon saying, whenever this was transpiring and people that wasn't participating in it were looking on them and saying, these men must be drunk with new wine. But also in Acts chapter 2, there was one who had kind of faded into the background. And when I say there was one, I'm talking about one of Jesus' hand-picked guys. And I'm talking about the one who denied knowing Jesus. The one who denied being with Jesus. And now he is filled with the Spirit of God. And he is preaching with the power of the Spirit very boldly in Acts chapter 2. In fact, in his sermon that he preached there in Acts chapter 2... He is telling them that these men are not drunk as they thought they was. He goes on to preach about the prophecy of the Old Testament by saying that in the last days God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Something else that we see that happens in Acts chapter 2 is that after that sermon was preached, some 3,000 souls were added to the church. Yes, all of that happens in chapter 2. Now, in Acts chapter 2, this multitude has gathered together, just like we did on Sunday afternoon, to praise God. They're rejoicing. They're shouting. But now, in chapter 3, the excitement has died down. Let me visit with you today doing part four of our series, The Church. And this lesson today is entitled, The Danger of Being at Church and Not in Church. The Danger of Being at Church and Not in Church. Did you see it when we read our scripture this, this evening? Did you see it? Did you get it? Or did we just blow right by it? All right, I'm going to fill you in and I'm going to show you here in a minute. Now, in Acts chapter 3, the crowd has dwindled away. In Acts chapter 2, there was this large crowd that was present. 3,000 converts were there for the cause of Christ. But now in Acts chapter 3, we see two guys. We see John and we see Peter walking together. And I think that I ought to tell you that there are some people that are in the crowd. Listen to me now. You may need to read between the lines a little bit here. There are some people in the crowd who are only there for the excitement. Some people are in the crowd because it is different. They are there just because they are being inquisitive. But I, can I tell you something? And what I want to tell you is this. Everybody that's in the crowd will last. You notice it said there was 3,000 people there. Because there are some that will run at the sign of trouble. There are some that will not, you know, 
hang in there. They will give up. They will give in in a time of animosity. And that's what we see happening. These people have left. The excitement has died down. There are only two men now. But what I want you to see because of what happened in chapter 2, I want you to look at the change that is now taking place by the way of the marketplace. Now, you must understand that Peter and John did not have a great friendship with each other in chapter 2. But now, we see Peter and John were walking together. Before the events of chapter 2, both of them seemed to irritate each other. They were so different in their personalities that one seems to get on the nerves of the other. I think some of you probably can relate to people getting on your nerves. But you see, here's the difference. Peter was a protester. But John believed in peaceful means of working out one's problems. Peter believed that violence was the answer to everything, to every problem. But John believed talking it out was the best way. So they both irritated each other, but that was before the Spirit of God fell on them. That was before the Holy Ghost fell. And now after the Holy Ghost has fallen in chapter 2, by the time we get to chapter 3, they're walking together. You know where they're going? They're going to church. They're going to church. And here's the first thing I want you to see. I've got to tell you that after the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, he has a way of bringing people together that irritated each other, that don't get along, that don't see eye to eye. The Holy Ghost knows how to make us be one. Whereas Peter and John were, were working separately, now, now they are working together as a team. And I think I ought to tell you that church work is not a one-man job. What have we discussed in weeks past? That we have a job as the church, and it's not within these walls. It is outside of these walls. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Church work is teamwork. What you must understand is that you're not a one-man show. You're not the whole show. Church work is teamwork. I can't do it all by myself. You can't do it all by yourself. So teamwork makes the dreams work because all of us are working together for one thing, and that is the cause of Christ. Now let me put you on notice. Let me serve you with notice here. I want you to hear me clearly. If you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you notice I use the preposition if, if you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not the same anymore. You're different. You're different. And you will work together. If you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you will love one another. If you are filled, you will pray for one another. You will bless one another. They once were walking separately, 
But now, you know, because they were divided, in other words, they once were divided, but now you, you look at them and they're shoulder to shoulder. So let, look, look at them now walking side by side because of what the Spirit of God did in their lives. They were different men. Now they are together. So now we find these two gentlemen in the marketplace. They had to get to the temple because it was now the hour of prayer. So en route to the temple, before they could get to the temple, they had to go through or by way of the marketplace. I think that we need to stop here for just a minute and we need to visit a little bit about the marketplace. First of all, I want you to see this. I need to tell you what the marketplace is all about. There were merchants in the marketplace. There were salesmen in the marketplace. There were peddlers selling their wares in the marketplace. Also, there was thieves in the marketplace. There were women of the evening strolling in the marketplace. And Peter and John were on their way to church, but they had to journey through the marketplace. Listen to me now. But can I tell you something before we leave this marketplace? I need to tell somebody that you can also find souls to save in the marketplace. So please don't take the marketplace for granted. You know, some people will just simply uh, 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 turn up their noses while going through the marketplace. In other words, if we're going through Walmart, Ted, and we see somebody we know, we'll stop and talk to them and have them for a while. But if it's a complete stranger... <laughs> What do we do? We'll walk right past them and not even look at them, not make eye contact, not do anything. Some of us will simply just, just walk on by, turn our noses up. We don't want to brush up against or have anything to do with anybody in the marketplace. We don't want to talk to anybody while we're in the marketplace unless we're knowing. Folks, our job as a church is in the marketplace. That's where you find people that need the gospel message. You know, sometimes, you, you, you probably don't realize it, but you're driving to church, and you probably don't realize, you may see somebody that needs to hear a good song in the marketplace. Or you may have your Bible in your arm, and be walking somewhere and walk right by somebody that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we shun them. We don't want to talk to them. We don't know them. This world is full of crazy people. I don't want to upset somebody and get somebody mad at me. Folks, that's the job of the church. What did we talk about a couple of weeks ago? Get out of the church. The church has left the building. And that's what we've got to do. That's where we've got to go. You know, we want the fellowship, 
with people that that are already know Christ and, and bypass our mission in the marketplace. But here we see Peter and John. After the Holy Spirit has fallen on these two guys, they can now be seen walking through the marketplace on their way to the temple. And, and on their way to the temple, they pass the gate that's called beautiful. That's what Scripture tells us, didn't it? They passed the gate that's called beautiful. And there at the gate was what? A wretch of a man who was sitting at the gate. And the Bible tells us that Peter and John were going into the temple. And the man sat there, no doubt, working with that cup that he had in his hand. And he was asking for money. He was asking for alms from those that went into the temple. Now, Peter and John, they had come. The Bible says it was the ninth hour. It was the time of prayer. And they're on their way to the temple, and they find this man sitting at the side of the gate. And what a tragic thing that was. What are we talking about today? The danger of being at church and not in church. You need to look now. You need to pay attention. Look at him with his cup rattling, asking for a handout because he's lame and he couldn't walk. What does the Bible tell us about this man? That he was lame from his mother's womb. He was forced to be abandoned and to live on handouts of those who entered the temple. I think I ought to tell you that that, that is sad. It's not because the man was crippled that is sad. It's the fact that, you know, it's not the fact that it's, he's lame, but what is sad is, is the fact how he is and where he is. Well, where is he, brother preacher? What does the scripture tell us? He is not in the temple. He is at the temple. Did you get that when we read that? Or did you walk right over it? Did you see that? Read it again. He is at the temple, not in the temple. That was the worst part of his problem. It was how he was. It was not how he was, you know, but where he was. He was at the temple, but not in the temple. He was brought there every day. They brought him to this gate called Beautiful and laid him at the gate. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't they carry him in and put him on the front row? You think about that. But he's not in the temple. He's at the temple. That seems to represent so many modern-day Christians, modern-day church folk who are always at church but never at church. Listen to me now. I hope nobody here today is just at worship but not in worship. You know, that, that's the reason why people miss the whole worship experience and act so dead because they're not in our evening worship, but they're always at church, but they're not in church. You know, I need to tell you, 
How can you tell when you're at church and not in church? You want me to tell you? I'll tell you. When you can leave church and you're the same way when you walk out as when you walked in. You were only at church. When you can leave church doing the same old thing, acting the same old way, going to the same old places, you're at church but not in church. When you leave the church and you don't get any stronger than you were at church. When you never feel the Spirit of God, nothing never moves you. Nothing never stirs you. You keep the same old prim and proper look. You're at church, not in church. When your habits never change, when your ways never get any better, when your lifestyle never gets any better, you're at church. What was the tragedy of this man? This man was at church, but he was not in church. It's where he was. He was at church when he ought to have been in church. Now, we see Peter and John walk up to him on their way to the temple. And the Bible says that the man lifted up his cup and asked for a donation. You know the story. We just read some of it. You're probably reading more of it. But Peter and John looked upon this man and the Bible said that Peter fastened his eyes on this man and said to him, look on us. They told this lame man, in essence, you look at me when I'm talking to you. That's what they're saying. And the Bible said that the man who was lame looked at them expecting to receive some money. He thought, man, I've got me a couple of good guys here. They're going to help me out. So let's move this to a conclusion. Peter and John addressed him and said in essence, I know what you're expecting. I know what you want. I know what you think you need. I know what you've been looking for. But here's the problem, buddy. Down through the years, people have been dropping silver and gold in your cup. And yet, your condition is still the same. Down through the years, people have been dropping money in your cup. Yet, your actions are still in the same old situation. So, silver and gold hasn't done you any good, really, has it? It hasn't amounted to much. You're still lame. You're still unable to move. You can't take care of yourself. You know, it takes somebody or somebody's to put you here every day. But yet, you keep asking for something that has not done you any good. You're doing the same thing, but yet you're experiencing or thinking you're going to experience different results. So they said in essence to him, 
We know what you've been asking for, but what we want to tell you as silver and gold, we don't have it. Sorry to bust your bubble, but we ain't got none for you today. But, and you saw that coming, but they said, we want to offer you something that can make a difference in your life. And look what the Bible says. The Bible says they reached down. They extended their hand to this man. Come on. It's time to get up. They extended their hand to this lame man and they lifted him up. And you know that is the, the job of every child of God and that is to lift somebody up. They stretched out their hand and the lame man took hold of their hand and the Bible says that he came up and strength began to move into his legs. And you know what he did? He stood on his own two feet. That's what God can do. That's what God does. He's able to stand you up on your own two feet. So can I tell you something? There is danger in being at church and not in church. Because when you are at church and not in church, you miss the benefits that God has for you. God has made all sorts of promises in the Bible to us. And you can rest assured, God never made a promise that He did not intend to keep. Not one. And so what happens? The Bible says this man, this man that was lame, went into the church leaping and praising God. And someone asked the question, is not this the same guy that was sitting out there by the gate begging every day? What I'm telling you is God has the uncanny ability to change your life right in front of others. And that's what he did for this man. Folks, be careful. Be careful that when you go to church, that you're in church for the right reason. Because we come together to worship God. We come together to be spiritually fed so we can grow, to be stronger, so that we can go out and do things like these guys did. And lift somebody up. Edify somebody. Build them up. Make them strong too. But I guarantee you, you can't do it sitting on your behind in church thinking that it's going to solve itself. You've got to take a risk. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. And I guarantee you, you start doing what Jesus wants you to do, going where God wants you to do, and you start doing good, you're going to want to do more of it. Because it makes you feel good. You know that you're accomplishing something. Don't be at church. Be in church. And part of your being in church is taking the message of God, the message, the gospel message, to the world outside these four walls. Let's pray.
Father God, we just thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with, Father. We just thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. All the blessings that you give us, Father, that we're so unworthy of. Father, just watch over us in this week ahead. Just guide us and direct us, Father. Continue to protect us. Father, we just ask you to forgive us of our sins. I ask you to forgive me where I fell. And Father, just help us to just be overcomers. Be perseverers to carry on. Father, I ask that you lay someone on each one of our hearts this week that needs the gospel message and that you'll give us the courage and strength to share with them, to help them find their way to you. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church family. I ask that you bring us back at the next appointed time, Father. I pray for those people that we mentioned that we're praying for on our sick list. Folks have lost loved ones. Other folks dealing with other issues. And Father, we just lay all of all those burdens in your hands. Because we know you're capable of carrying them and we know you're capable of dealing with them. Father, just go with us and bless us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.